A wise man, a Stoic philosopher, a sage. We've come a long way from the building blocks of Stoic philosophy during Roman times, and the once called lovers of wisdom has diminished from being a way of life to just an understanding of book knowledge and concepts. Join me on this journey as we build an already existing version of ourselves to create our own mentors who have the virtues we admire to keep us accountable and stay true to a future version of ourselves. This is the Stoic Sage. But what is philosophy? Does it simply mean preparing ourselves for what may come? So, what should each of us say to each trial we face? This is what I've trained for. This is my discipline. Epictetus. So something that is important about philosophy and application is the understanding of its origins and how it has evolved. Everything evolves. And in today's podcast, I'm joined by Shane from Renaissance Wisdom to discuss how philosophy has transformed to the modern day. So welcome, Shane. I'm really excited to have you on the show. So can you get started by just telling us a bit about yourself and Renaissance Wisdom? Definitely. Yeah. So, um, you know, first off, thanks for having me. I'm excited. This is going to be my first podcast. So it's a new experience for me. Uh, What basically where I'm at right now, I've been studying philosophy uh, pretty heavily for the last four, five, six years. I really started out with the the ancients and I've kind of moved my way forward into some of the more modern philosophers. Uh, I've really developed a love for philosophy. It started out as a curiosity and actually more of a search for, I guess, truth and, and really religion. I was I think I was looking for answers as far as my place in the universe uh, developed into a real love of just philosophy in general. And that that's translated into the point where I'm, I'm now wor- working on a book um, and I'm working on a book that's on Renaissance philosophy and essentially how we can use these ideas from the Renaissance and apply them to our modern day. And you know, that, that basically brings us up into the, uh, to the current. Wow, that's fantastic. I, I'm honestly really excited about, about your book. I mean, uh, we had a discussion uh, prior to this um, you know, podcast recording. And what, one of the most interesting things that I um, remember us talking about was the humanist movement. Um, I'm more into the, obviously, the stoicism portion of it, but you bring a level of a uh, um, wisdom as far as you know the Renaissance period and what we were talking about with uh, you know how it all evolved into today's uh, philosophy. But as as far as the humanist movement, I mean, could could you go into a little bit of detail here? I, I found that really fascinating. Sure, that, that's one of the most interesting things that I've learned as I've been as I've been studying throughout this time period, and really understand the humanist movement. You actually have to kind of go back to. Uh, ancient Rome, you have to go back to the Stoics and that time period. And so after the collapse of the the Roman Empire, there was really no centralized government. There were a lot of feudal city-states, there were a lot of wars, the the barbarians, as they called them, right, the Germanic tribes, went through kind of pillaging everything. And so society really collapsed. I mean, you you went from a place where you had a very decadent, put-together society with tons of learning and all of a sudden, people were just trying to survive, and it really changed society. Now, what ended up happening is you, you kind of move into the, the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, as some people would call it, 
And during this time, a lot of the reason it's called the Dark Ages is there were not a lot of new developments in thought or philosophy. Uh, you, you did have some some philosophers, you know, more theologians, because the church was very dominant during this time. So uh, mm-hmm. people like Augustine uh, was, was very popular. That, that was one of the, you know, one of the most popular philosophers of that time period. Um, and Aristotle actually was dominant as it kind of moved into the Islamic world. Um, Aristotle was pretty much the philosopher. Um, he was the one that was considered to be the most compatible with Christianity. And the Stoics really uh, were pretty much lost with the exception of Seneca. And the humanist movement started, and he's he's really considered the father of the Renaissance. Uh, essentially, he was a very religious person, but he got very, very interested in Cicero and some of the different uh, philosophers of antiquity. Now, you have to keep in mind that a lot of a lot of these works were actually lost to time. You know, they were they were still out there, but they were locked up in monasteries out in Germany or in other other uh, parts of Europe. And so Petrarch and some of his like fellow humanists, they they started this movement basically where they were digging up old books from antiquity. And so, um, you know, a a really famous uh, Renaissance humanist that was a book hunter was uh, Poggio Broccolini. And Mm -hmm. uh, so he, he would go out and he basically would go into these monasteries and he would find old tomes and he would uh, essentially retranslate them and into, you know, Latin and he would take these manuscripts with them. And, and as the humanists went to go find all of these lost texts, they began to spread. And then, you know, into the, into the mid 1400s, 1450s, the printing press was created um, and started really pumping out these works. And so it, you know, Seneca was one of the few Stoics that, his works actually tended to kind of survive throughout that time, but um, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius, it, it wasn't until later, um, really into like the 1500s and mid 1500s that they began to, to be recovered and actually uh, produced enough that their ideas could spread. And the humanist movement in general is really what defined the Renaissance period. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a group of people who were in love with antiquity they were in love with the philosophy, with the eloquence of the of the Latin, and they they really sought to revive these ideas that they had basically had been lost to time. Yeah, I mean that that's astronomically amazing. I mean, uh, the the amount of bravery that it took to kind of not necessarily challenge the church, but you know, because the the Catholic Church had so much power back then, and I, um, it it took a lot of bravery to tell the catholic church you know hey we're not trying to challenge the religion we just think that this wisdom should continue and and you know we should um spread it and or capture it first you know and then um spread it throughout uh you know throughout the world or uh, and essentially collect all that knowledge i think i remember reading something along the lines of um i'm not too sure who it was uh maybe maybe you would know but um you know when they spread throughout the european uh, the Euro- european portion of the world they even went as far as africa to collect knowledge from from everywhere right Definitely, yeah. Um, there, there were a lot of different people in in that humanist, you know, the the book hunters, you would call them. 
there there were a large group of those guys who who went all throughout yeah i mean through the world i mean they they went as far as um constantinople and africa um all over europe i mean there were these books some of them you know were another portion of the humanist movement was uh the fall of constantinople actually uh the greeks had a lot of uh, philosophical works from from ancient Greece and from Rome that they had with them, and they had a lot of knowledge and different manuscripts that they had with them. And so, when Constantinople fell, a lot of those uh, scholars sought refuge in places like Florence, and so they brought new Greek works that they could then start translating into Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you go going back to to touch on the Dark Ages a little bit more. Uh, you know, it, it was a incredibly oppressive time they really the catholic church was was not open and friendly to these secular works um, of antiquity they there was a mindset that basically the only knowledge you needed was the knowledge that was in the bible or the knowledge of god and they basically thought that that was the way to salvation and so even really powerful philosophical ideas like virtue, you know, like the, the four tenets of stoicism, for example, mm-hmm. would have been borderline uh, heresy because you were focusing on something on the earth rather than focusing on just, you know, being this cog in a machine that God had designed. And, you know, I would say if you, if you had to pick one defining idea of the Renaissance of what really truly made it, you know, based on all the studies that I've done is it was this celebration of key in the human mind was actually kind of the power in the center of the universe, as opposed to, um, you know, God being the, the all seeing all knowing thing and us just being kind of caught in destiny, right. It it gave us the power to, to actually create our own destiny, to write our own Mm -hmm. legacies, to, to work on our own inner states. And that's, you know, that that's really just the prerequisite to our modern day completely. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I liked that whole, uh, you know, the individual, right? It really starts with the individual before we can make uh, really positive change for 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 the rest of humanity. Right. Um, I think that that's honestly, you know, the the amazing starting point to how philosophy has evolved into into modern day and and you know the challenges that it took to even get that knowledge to to today i mean as far as uh philosophy goes like what what pieces of philosophy do you think um have been transferred to modern day or like really what should continue to be transferred into into modern day well yeah so um i know i know we talked about this a little bit before um and i i think that there there are two really kind of key parts of the spirit of, of philosophy and you know, especially of, of stoicism that I think are really important and have really been lost in the modern day. Uh, the first one being just the idea of temperance, the idea that we should temper our emotions, our impulses, our reactions. You look at, for example, the, the political climate and you look at polarization and how it's on the rise, people are literally ready to fight you if you tell them that you voted for someone that they don't like. And this is a problem Mm -hmm. you see on sides, right? It's not a, it's not a left versus right thing. It's, it's just a, a a human existence thing. It's, Mm -hmm. 
the, the fact that we need to be able to once again be temperate, right? To not be triggered by everything, but to, to have real dialogues and to, um, you know, fight our impulses to try to, instead of focusing on superficial things, you know, we're, we're all caught in this kind of like this rat race, you know, especially in the United States, right? Um, be, yeah. Being able to break out of that and not to just go for what immediately calls to us, like not seek that immediate gratification, but, you know, to, to really ask ourselves what is important to us. And, and that's, yeah, and I think that's like the essence of temperance is to not go with your, your gut reaction, that first initial reaction, but, but to use that logic and that thought process to, to think what, what is really the prudent thing? What is really the correct, the right thing to do in this moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, as far as a stoicism goes, I mean, it's hard to really choose what's the most important thing we can take from philosophy. But if I were to choose, it would, you know, be similar to to what you had just mentioned, you know, temperance and um, with challenging your thoughts. You know, I think a lot of people kind of accept what they're told or accept what they're feeling and move with that. I think it's extremely important to understand why do I agree with this? Or why am I um, okay with feeling this particular way? Or, you know, really challenging the way that that, that we see ourselves and how we move throughout and navigate throughout the world. And also what you're encountering. You know, like you mentioned, everybody is kind of so polarized nowadays with just what we're thinking. I mean, we should have a diversity of thought. We should be very uh, open to new ideas or, or someone else's point of view. It's um, there, there's too much, um, you know, polarizing morality, so to speak, right? Because everybody wants the best out of everything, right? We all want to see each other grow. We want to see the world flourish. But if we're polarizing in that way, it's it uh, really stifles progress, progression, right, and innovation. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree with uh, with temperance and and questioning. Definitely, things. you know, and and with temperance, right? Like, you know, one one more kind of thing, and I I talk about this all the time. I've been around difficult people, and I've been in situations where you're kind of forced to be around someone that's very difficult, or you know, maybe very angry. And, you know, I always tell people, like, the way that someone treats you is not a reflection of your worth or who you are. It's really a reflection of their inner state, Mm -hmm. right? Because someone who has that, like, that temperate, calm, stoic inner state, they're not going to treat you badly. You You could pretty much, like, someone who's a true stoic, I mean, you could pretty much spit in someone's face. And they're not going to escalate it because they're in control of their emotions, right? And, and that's so important to remember is that when you're becoming emotional about something, you're no longer in control, right? Like it's, exactly. it, it's mm-hmm. not to say that emotions don't have a place. And I think that's a really common misconception that I'm sure you run into all the time with stoicism is, well, you know, I don't want to be joyless. You know, I, I like to experience human emotions, right? And, and the, the stoics didn't tell us not to have these emotions. They just said, don't let them be your masters, right? Um, exactly you you feel Mm -hmm. the emotion you let it flow through you and you use logic um you know i I think that emotions can be really important especially you know i've i've had periods in my life where i've been very depressed or i felt very stuck 
And I feel like it's almost like an alarm system, right? When you, when you Mm -hmm. have that strong emotion, you, and you say, okay, why am I feeling this? And it's, it's a indication that you need to look within. And like you said, right. With, um, with some of the polarization, right. When, when someone says something and you find yourself triggered by what they said, rather than punching the person in the face or screaming at them or call them, calling them a, you know, a, a Nazi or a fascist or, you know, a communist or, or whatever descriptive word to throw on them. Um, it's about saying, well, why do I feel this way? And, mm-hmm. you know, do I, do I even really understand what I'm, what I'm talking about? Can I, can I learn more about this subject? What, why is it triggering me so much? And yeah, that, that's just those things in combination are, are so lost in our society. And I mean, if, if we could just look at each other as human beings again and really have dialogue, I think we could just make so much more progress as a society. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I, I completely agree, though. I mean, the Stoics were were very emotional, right? They 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 needed emotion within themselves. However, um, it was a very common stereotype for them to be called rocks, right? Because they controlled their emotions. Um, I think it was a, a story of Seneca. This one really, I really enjoy uh, as far as, you know, um, kind of challenging this idea of Stoics not really having emotion, which is uh, Seneca was on a ship and they hit a storm. And uh, Seneca the entire time was was flipping out, you know, you know, crying out to the gods, thinking that he was going to die. And when the storm finally passed by, all of the uh, the seamen were making fun of him, calling, you know, challenging him as a Stoic, you know, oh, such a great stoic you know you can't even handle yourself during a little storm and he reasoned that initial responses are completely natural it is after that that reaction that's extremely important and i think that a lot of people kind of forget that it's okay to have an initial reaction as to here's something you don't like or a challenging thought and it's not that they're talking badly on you if they're challenging your thought or what you're thinking it's not you it's not your character but it's that thought itself so if you analyze that then you can have proper reactions and so i mean with that being said as a stoic we we, we tend to do repeated things that help us stay on track to find our most virtuous self for example i do journaling Um, I also have like uh, I used to have a coin that I had in my pocket that, you know, whenever I reached into it, it kind of would remind me, oh, I have am I being stoic or am I being virtuous in this moment? I mean, uh, do you have any mantras or objects that you look to so you can stay on the path of virtue? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know that a lot of the a lot of the stoics and especially you know, Marcus Aurelius, obvious example, right? Uh, meditations was just basically his journal. Um, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. really, I don't think, intended for anyone other than himself. You know, I've, I've never been too into the, the journaling thing, but I, I tend to be a creature of habit. Um, I'm, I'm very, very much routine oriented. Uh, I'll say that, you know, I have a couple of different things that I practice. And, you know, one is the idea of Kind of embracing the chaos and and this is kind of a step away from stoicism this is a little despite his criticisms of of stoicism um there's so much 
uncertainty that exists in the world. I mean, there, there, you see all kinds of bad things, you know, quote unquote bad, right? I understand good and bad are what we make of them. But when you see, for example, a, a child starving in Africa, it, it's very hard to, to put a, a positive spin on that, right? And, and that's where, mm-hmm. for me, kind of believing that this is not something that someone's really planned out there's not a God that created a situation where these children had to suffer, for example, right? It's just a sort of like uncertainty variable that is just part of life and part of existence. And Nietzsche to me is very Mm -hmm. powerful because he looks at this chaos and he would say that the suffering and this chaos and these, these bad things that we go, these are actually what, help define us as human beings and and finding mm-hmm. that meaning in the suffering or finding the meaning in the things that you're going through so important to the formation of who you are there there's very much in our modern age uh, a victimhood mentality and mm-hmm. you know some of it goes along with not that therapy is a bad thing right but some of it goes along with therapy and you know, the, the fact that we look at ourselves as like victims, we've been taught to identify ourselves by the things that have gone wrong in our life and our, and our traumas and our struggles, as opposed to essentially looking at how those have crafted us into the people that we are today. And so, I mean, I've been very fortunate. I haven't had a lot of um, big, big, tough struggles or things, but of course we all have our experiences that we go through our own sufferings, but you know, I've, I've really tried in my life to embrace when bad things start happening or when things start going wrong to kind of figure out, well, maybe I can't see it right now, but I know that I'm going to be better because of this experience. And I'm, I'm constantly looking around for that meaning when things are going wrong. of like, okay, I know this is going wrong in life right now. So where's the, where's the lesson I'm supposed to pull out of this? Where is, where is the defining kind of trait that is going to help me get through this and become this, this better human being through what I'm going through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's really, it's really interesting um, because there, there is something there, you know, that, that, that the Stoics kind of practice, I guess it's in a, it's in a, in, in the way that you were describing it with, uh, with um, accepting, you know, that chaos, so to speak in, in your life and kind of what can you do better with it? Right. I think um, adversity, I think that that's really what it is, right? Adversity is the way, you know, ad- ad- adversity is what builds character. It's, uh, it's understanding that what enters your life is, whether it's in or outside of your control, um, how you react to it is completely in your control. So it's not necessarily, you know, you should be focusing on, you know, what that now gives you as a form of identity it's more of how did this challenge me today to make me a better person and and sometimes you know there's um an, another way to to do it if you don't really experience a- adversity or you know challenging yourself in that way and the stokes called it uh, voluntary discomfort it can be as simple as taking um a cold shower every single day, you know, you are voluntarily putting yourself in a place of discomfort. That way, whenever you do enter, you know, the chaos in, in, in a particular moment in life, 
you can kind of think back to those to those moments where you where you've practiced and or that you've experienced past adversity kind of think back to that <clears throat> and think of your mindset back then you know how did you train your mind in that moment to push back to push through adversity and um i i uh, to the stoics it's called apatheia as well right <clears throat> seneca was really popular uh ha had a popular writing where he described inside of um, a parlor so to speak that you know he heard guards um arresting somebody and he heard plates crashing and he heard people at the markets and it's uh, tuning out all of the chaos and just focusing on what is in your control what is within your moment there and and in those places can we really build character in those moments can you really push through adversity to to practice to be a a, a better person every day definitely and yeah that that's very like very well put there there's a quote by seneca i don't know the exact quote right but um there is a, a quote by seneca that i really like where he basically talks about what you um referring to where he just basically says to, to eat stale bread and you know to sleep on like a stone floor and to drink nothing mm -hmm. but water and he you know would say do this for you know week time obviously like you, you remember that seneca was very wealthy very powerful uh roman senator and right? had had connections with the emperor he was a very established well-respected powerful man and you have this person who's telling you to, to sleep on a stone floor and eat stale bread. And <laughs> it's like you yeah. said, right? He, he's reminding himself of one, how little is needed to, to really find that happiness. But two, it, it just, it makes you tougher. It makes you more resilient for when that thing happens and you do have to sleep on a stone floor. Um, mm -hmm. And then one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's no longer that big of an issue as um, you know, when, when you're challenged definitely um re real quick yeah. I, i'd love to throw this in so um and this is along this a similar similar line but i i did a post for my page renaissance wisdom not too long ago and it was actually about this this old fable uh, about hercules and this one's really interesting because it, it it was found during the renaissance it basically had been lost and it was rediscovered during the renaissance and it's referred to as the choice of Hercules. I love this one. It, uh, it, it's so poignant at the, the point that it's trying to prove. And so Hercules is a young man, probably somewhere, you know, in his, in his early 20s. And he's feeling like most of us do around that to do with his life. And um, he, he's walking basically down on this on this road. And there's two women. And one temp, one woman comes up to him. And essentially, this is she's the representation of the, the life of pleasure, right? And she says, you know, mm -hmm. you can come, come with me and, you know, I'll feed you grapes and drink wine and you'll never have to struggle and everything is going to be great. Like you're just going to have this nice cushy life. You'll never be tested. Everything is going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you have this, this other woman, right? And this is considered like the road of virtue. And she says, well, look, at, I can't, tell you any of those things that pleasure offered you right all, all i can tell you is that like you're going to be tested you're going to have hard times uh, but you're going to have the person that you become through this right so if you come with me like i you're i'm going to make you great i'm going to turn you into a legend right and and then you the stories comes very clear 
which road he chose, right? And so mm-hmm. he could have had that life of pleasure, but we would never have remembered his name and he never would have developed that virtue that he's remembered for, that strength, right? And I, I just, I love that story because it just makes it so clear the choice that we have, right? The, the choice of pleasure and an easy, comfortable life or, you know, the choice of greatness, the choice of virtue. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really like that because I, I feel like that kind of plays into um, what we had just previously mentioned, which was uh, temperance and, and moderation. I, I mean, having too much of anything can be bad. I mean, seeking comfort in such a way where you are you become completely afraid of adversity can become a problem because then you won't know how to, you know, how you can get past it you know you don't know what mindset you have to get back into to you know uh to take on that challenge to move through that adversity so i really i i really like that actually i I feel like it's all tying in right now yeah definitely (laughs) so in in your opinion what what do you think people get wrong in modern philosophy and do, do you think philosophy is necessary in all ways from literature to technology to politics yeah so you know aside from people not studying or practicing philosophy which is a lot of people uh, i would say that that a lot of people who do get into philosophy there's there's a couple things that i see that one is and i would consider it you know sort of like more of the scholarly kind of intellectual Uh, some of the the more modern philosophers like for example like I know Kant, everybody loves Kant um, or Hume, for example. Mm -hmm. Look, I know they're geniuses. I know that they, they made their contributions. You know, I I know that they had some great ideas, but the way that they write and the way that they speak is it's so cryptic. It's so polluted. It's, it's so focused on language that you can't actually pull a real essence out of it. I mean, it's like some of these philosophers the way they wrote is so confusing that it's almost like they just wrote it one to stroke their own ego and two, just, (laughs) just to just like make this image of themselves. Right. And I think that sometimes people get so caught up in philosophy on, you know, for example, like, well, what's, what's essentialism versus ecstasy things and lump things together. And they miss the essence of philosophy, right. Which is, the most important part, the things that we talked about, right? The, the temperance, the, the practical pieces of philosophy that we can pull out and apply to our lives to, to make us better people, to, to have better lives. And so I think, I think that's a big part of it, right? Is the, the need to sit around and question and cl- classify things and figure out what box everything needs to go into um, as opposed to just getting out there and embodying your own philosophy, right? This Epictetus quote, uh, you know, embody your philosophy, right? That just that idea mm-hmm. that we should actually get something practically out of what what we're thinking in philosophy. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I mean those examples that that you just mentioned, it, it reminded me of um, the ancient sophists. So uh, a, a sophist essentially is somebody who kind of uses a large amount of rhetoric to 
to uh, sway the public opinion or, or to sway people to kind of follow them. And I'm, and I, I, I liked how you put that where, you know, these people, they want to call themselves philosophers or, but they make it so complicated. They kind of dilute it with so much other unnecessary things when, when you're missing the essence of it, you know, and it kind of reminds me of, of, you know, what a modern day sophist is. They kind of play around with, um, with these concepts and then throw in other stuff that makes them look better or, you know, makes people kind of think, Oh yeah, this is a great person to follow because he sounds so smart, but, <laughs> but that's not really what, what it is. It, it should kind of be simple. You know, there, there are these essential concepts, you know, that help you and that guide you, but it's embodying that, those things, you know, and, and you shouldn't need um, large amounts of study to embody that philosophy. You should just kind of understand it, understand the ultimate goal, constantly, you know, question yourself and constant, constantly learn. And, and that's how you become, you know, a good philosopher. That's how you become a good Stoic. That's how you, you know, move and embody that philosophy. Just not, not so much mumbo jumbo kind of, kind of stuff, you know? Definitely. And, and I, you, know, you, you talk about some of the more modern philosophy and a Descartes is, is a favorite of mine. You know, he's the one that said, I think, therefore I am. And when, when you understand kind of the background, right? I mean, Descartes went out and he said that he wanted to essentially find truth, which is what, what every philosopher mm -hmm. wants in, in a way, right? Um, he wanted to find truth. And so he tried to systematically break down and question literally every single thought. And the more that he broke down and he questioned things, he realized, well, I, I don't really know. And there's a, there's a famous experiment, the, the brain in the vat that the Descartes talks about, right? I mean, how do you know that you're not just a brain in a jar and there's a demon that is essentially making you feel and think the things that you're doing, right? Maybe you're just a brain in a jar. Maybe it's all a dream. And, and this idea mm -hmm. like destroyed him is because you, you can't disprove it. Right. Um, yeah. And it's it's great to understand and to doubt. But at some point, you have to let go of that doubt and you have to say, like, how I'm how can I just live a, the best life that I can? How can I make the best decision that mm -hmm. I can with what I have right now? You know, otherwise, it's just it's a slippery slope where pretty soon you're like uh, Piro, right? The, the old ancient philosopher and you're walking off of cliffs and your followers are having to stop you from walking off a cliff because you don't believe that there's a cliff in front of you. Uh, you just have mm -hmm. to, to live a practical life at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, uh, I recently had a, um, a uh, shower thought where it was, uh, you know, what if we are in a simulation, right? And this is a modern, you know, modern idea. I, I, I think I, I haven't heard it in, in other literature, but um this whole simulation topic that everybody kind of brings up. I mean, at the end of the day, even if we did find out that we were or not, you know, it wouldn't make no difference to me because just having that knowledge doesn't change the reality of what we live. We are still bound by our, our um, relation to physics we are still bound to the way the system is set up for us based on 
the history that we have lived as we see it. Having this external knowledge of, yeah, we're just a bunch of ones and zeros. That makes no difference because that knowledge doesn't break me out of it at all. I'm still here. I still feel. And in my mind and in my reality, I'm still a human. That's what, that's how we've been able to get through everything. And I, I think, you know, need to stop doubting. As, as you mentioned, we need to stop doubting and that kind of thing and just move forward with embodying who you want to be because none of that really matters it's what matters is within our own mind really yeah i hundred percent hundred percent on that yeah I, yeah <laughs> so I, um how does philosophy help us in our in our day-to-day would you say you know day-to-day life and and this is something the stoics talked about right um Seneca has a really really great letter he wrote to his friend uh Lucilius Lucilius I I don't really know how to pronounce it to be honest um this is another example of Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) what I would talk about with philosophy right like getting caught up on you know all the pronunciations and all this guy he said the right the name wrong right so what can he really know right but then that that's just another example Mm -hmm. of something not being the essence of philosophy um sidetracking myself but anyway so uh he wrote a friend or a letter to his friend and it's entitled on providence and essentially it's a reply to his friend his friend has posed him the question um if basically there's destiny if there's a god if there's a universal order and we already talked about a lot of this right but he, he explains that essentially it's because the strong people are tested because they they find themselves becoming stronger through it, right? And it's this idea mm-hmm. that there are essentially tests and things that come from the universe, and they are meant for you to be tested. Now, someone that, mm-hmm. for example, maybe it's a, an atheist, right? Like, maybe they don't believe in anything. They don't believe in universal order. They just, they literally believe we're just random, everything is mathematics, and we're just, we're hurtling through the universe, getting closer to extinction, right? Um, Even if you believe in nothing, you know, that's where it's really important to define the ideas of, and so essentialism is someone that believes that meaning basically precedes your existence. So it, it means that there is some sort of force that has basically predestined you, the meaning of your life has already been determined before you were born. Before you existed, there was a meaning to your life. So the Stoics would have mm-hmm. been essentialists because they, they believed in this, this destiny, this fortune. They believed in essentially universal order. Um, but then there's also existentialism, and that's where a lot of the more modern ph- philosophers fall. And they believe that you're you exist and then you create meaning through your existence that essentially it's up to you to determine your own meaning. And, you know, even if you are in, and I guess, especially if you are an existentialist, especially if you are an atheist, it's important for you to believe in something. And if you don't believe in some sort of higher order, I think that's where it's really important to just believe in the principles that we've been talking about which is that you will be able to create meaning out of what you're going through. And so in that sense, you don't believe in destiny or you don't believe in fate, but you believe in the strength of yourself. And 
that's something that is really, really important in our day and age. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard the quote from Nietzsche that God is dead. You know, whether whether you believe or whether you don't, mm-hmm. as far as God is concerned, it's really important that you believe in something. And if you don't believe in a universal order, you really have to find that belief in yourself. I mean, otherwise, it's just all meaningless, right? Otherwise, it's just hopeless. And a, a life without hope, you know, I just, it's nihilism. I, I don't know how one can can go on that way, right? It's, it's just something that you can't allow yourself to fall into. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I would even argue that humans as a whole, um, uh, how we've evolved is to find meaning or to find something. Um, we're, we're very courageous for, for a species, right? Um, even uh, crossing the plains of, of the savannah with early humans. I mean, it took courage. It took wonder. It took like wanting to find those answers when you've gone, when you've ventured on too far. That is also meaning. I We, we can't really say for certain if they believed in something that early in, in humans, but there was still something there, right? And even if you don't believe in anything as far as, you know, a higher being, there was something within us where, where we were constantly looking for something. And it really started with, with us, right? It was definitely me wanting to figure out what were my limits? What are the limits in general? If that is a meaning that, that you want to live by, that is by all means do it. I mean, we are, we were born to want to find those answers to begin with. And I think that, you know, for, for me personally, I believe that there's like some higher power, a specific, any specifics on that. I kind of have no answer to, but, um, you know, that's completely out of my control. So should I be constantly, you know, um, trying to figure that out? Well, it won't make any difference to me whether I do or don't know. So I just stick to what is within my control well, me building the meaning that I would like to have, which is for me personally, it's, uh, you know, um, wanting to spread the word of stoicism, but at the same time, I, w- I want to build a family. I want to have a, a yeah. house in the jungle, you know, <laughs> but those are, those are my meanings, you know, and, and in order to get to that, I have to build something for myself, right? Start with the individual. I have to be uh, virtuous because because those are the things that will better myself and those around me definitely and look I, I you know my personal beliefs as well I mean I've I've gone back and forth you know I've, I was a Christian for a while I, I've never really gone full atheist and the reason that I, I haven't is I think that and a lot of people could be triggered by this right but uh atheism Mm -hmm. is essentially the same form of delusionment that like you you have to experience to call yourself like a practicer of like one certain religion right it it takes a form of certainty to say Mm -hmm. there is no god right and there's a lot of evidence to support the, the idea that there is a god a lot of evidence to support the idea that there isn't right and it's it's almost right and this is kierkegaard said this one to faith uh you have to take a leap of faith either way. Um, 
but but ultimately like you said Mm -hmm. it's not something that we can really know we we can have faith but faith is it's just kind of this belief um i think the most important thing is that we we try to live the best lives that we can and that's going to look a little different for everyone based on their individual passions and the, the things that they believe in and they hold dear but i think that as a human species altogether, all I think if we could respect each other a little bit more and, you know, focus on kind of our own ideas of what our meaning of life should be and do our best to pursue that meaning that we've kind of defined for ourselves, I mean, the, the world would just be, just be a better place, right? Everybody would be making the most of, of the lives that they've been given. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, what, what's, Going back to to stoicism here, um, we we seek out the wisdom from people from about two thousand years ago, and while it's so well preserved, I mean, a, a lot of documents have been lost, but it helps out millions of, uh, of of people, and and I think we forget that we now live in modern times, and you know, a lot of that has been um, adapted to the changing world that that we live in. Is there anyone that, that you look up to that guides the modern uh, philosopher or the modern Stoic? Yeah, you know, um, for me personally, I, I don't like there's a lot of minds out there that are really great in our current age. Um, just just kind of my philosophical journey that I've gone through. I, I tend to look a lot more to the past and a lot more to some of the more established philosophers when it comes to very very modern philosophy for example people who are still alive you know i'm not i'm not as up to date as what i probably would like to be uh there there are a lot of great minds out there i mean i i really appreciate uh jay shetty i I really like i i like ryan holiday now i i think that he has some really great ideas on stoicism and there's so many great minds out there i'm really inspired by any time I hear someone that has a, a story about success or a story about something that they've built with their life, you know, that that's very inspiring to me, but me, me personally, you know, I, I don't have anyone that I follow from the modern age, you know, maybe, maybe you could give me some good recommendations. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, there isn't a lot of people that I look to, I mean, even the Stoics would say, um, you know, don't focus on, on other people don't focus on you know ex- because that's all an externality they and the reality is humans change so to look up at, or um what's the term like martyr these people even the stoics i mean it's it's not it's not always a good thing to do that because then we build we end up building this false idea of them i mean uh everybody has flaws it's really the words that are that are important right and and as far as uh, uh modern people that, that i look to every now and again is um uh, jordan peterson i i really like his approach um he's he's not a self-proclaimed stoic however when i when i listen to him a lot of the teachings that he uh, that he presents mimic kind of stoicism because he's always saying uh, very factual things this is reality and those are things that people kind of forget when it comes to stoicism i mean stoicism is not just the four virtues it is also there's also three fields 
and there's also three disciplines. And all of those, all of them, the virtues, the fields, and the disciplines come together. And I think a lot of people forget that because there, there's a reality that we, that we can't bend. And trying to bend that reality to this ideal of, of what you think the reality should be is only going to cause yourself more suffering if you try to do that. So Jordan Peterson does an excellent job at doing that, especially with, uh, you know, uh, there are differences between people, right? We are, we are all individuals. Even if you want to break, break it up into groups, men and women kind of, um, they're, they're also different in, in many aspects. And those are realities that we can't change. However much you want to think that there are some realities that we just cannot change. So I really like his approach. And as far as, uh, and, and he takes a, a, a psychological approach to that, right? And uh, another person is um, Jocko, I think is Jocko Wilkinen. Um, very just odd. Jocko, right? Just everyone just calls him Jocko. I didn't even know he had a last name. I thought he just was like, yeah, yeah. It was just like Hercules, right? Jocko. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's his stage name, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, th- this guy is, um, um, he was an ex-militant and um, he has really, really great stories on, on his leadership. And um, uh, I think he's a really big proponent in this idea of discipline equaling freedom. And I really like that because the Stoics, they constantly say that freedom should be the ultimate goal to life. Being free from your emotions, right? Not letting them control you. Being free of um, as far as your choices and allowing people to make their own choices. And I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of people need to understand that level of freedom is universal. It should be universal, right? You, you can't control other people. You can't control the way they talk. It's 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 impossible. And to think to try to bend reality to this idea that we should only speak in specific ways and not to hurt somebody is completely unrealistic. That's not the reality. We're all different people. And so having that discipline within yourself um, in, you know, uh, what you what you eat, what you um, how you should exercise, all those things. um to take control of your life to really access that level of freedom. That's uh, that's another guy that I, again, he, he's not a self-proclaimed stoic. However, he embodies a lot of those philosophies that stoics talk about. And that, that's a big reason why I follow. Yeah. Uh, that, Jocko. that discipline equals freedom. I, I've heard that. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that that was attributed to him or that was his thing, but yeah, that's, that, that's a really beautiful idea. And it, it goes with temperance. Like we talked about, right. And, you know, uh, being disciplined and your responses to emotions makes you free from emotions, right? I mean, it, and I, I had heard that quote before and I didn't to, to Jocko, but when you look at that quote by itself, right? I mean, it, it, it is totally encapsulates both the, the essence of stoicism and it, it shows you practically how to live a good life. The discipline to eat the right thing gives you the freedom to you know, have a healthier body or to, to look the way that you want to look. The, the discipline to choose not to be reactionary when you have an emotional response and to, you know, choose to be free from that emotional kind of dictation or control of your life. 
it, it really is just a, a beautiful mm -hmm. thing to think about, you know, I, I, maybe I need to add that as a mantra to myself. You know, it's, it's definitely a very inspiring idea. I love that. <laughs> definitely. We take wisdom from everybody. <laughs> and I, I really like that these guys that I mentioned, Jordan Peterson and Jocko, they're, they're not self-proclaimed Stoics, you know, and I found that so interesting that they still embody that. So in a way, this, the, the idea of virtue, you know, the temperance, seeking out wisdom, um, having the courage, um, you know, to, to move past adversity and justice and, and that justice being a part of freedom and allowing other people to live however they want because you have no control over them. Um, they all embody those, you know, and, and in a way, those are universal, right? I think, I think it's an amazing thing that, uh, that, that, that these people embody that kind of without, maybe they know about stoicism, but they kind of don't really um, preach it in that way. They're, they just embody it. They don't need to say it. They just embody that yeah, philosophy. And I mean, you, you look at philosophy in general, right? I mean, the, the whole idea is it's, it's the love of wisdom. It's this, it's this search for truth. And it's, it's very telling, right? And, and this is coming from someone like me personally, I don't, I don't really believe in like an objective truth. I think that truth is very, very much independent and subjective. And I, I think that things are so complicated, it's hard to find the subjective truth. But, but it's interesting that you look at all these, you know, successful people from, from the modern age, you know, people like you just mentioned, uh, with like Jordan uh, Peterson, or with Jocko, or if you go all the way back to, to Aristotle and Plato and Socrates, and you find that they kind of found these same ideas about what really wisdom was. And it, it makes you kind of look at everything and think maybe mm -hmm. maybe they're all onto something, right? Maybe there is this objective truth. Maybe there is an objectively good way, a right way to live your life, right? And it, it's it's hard to deny that when you see that just repeating time after time after time throughout history. At the end of the day, I mean, we gather wisdom from everybody and um, uh, it's really such a beautiful thing that we can share ideas and uh, challenge each other's thoughts and, and, and all, all of that good stuff. <laughs> but um, otherwise, I mean, it was fantastic talking to you, Shane, and I just wanted to open the floor. I mean, is there any any other last words that... Uh, Sure. Like you know, um, I, I really, really appreciate you having me on today. Like I said, it was my first, uh, my first podcast. So hopefully, uh, did, didn't bore everybody to sleep here. Um, I, I am working on a book, as you had mentioned earlier on. Um, you had pl planned on kind of having a similar title to uh, the page of my Instagram, which again, if you wanted to look me up, um, you can find me at Renaissance Wisdom. And uh, you can actually subscribe there. I have a through my bio if you'd like to find out more about my book. Um, as I get closer, I'm going to send out uh, text and email updates to everybody. It's it's not a spam thing. I'm not going to hit you up with a, a million different emails and texts, but uh, I will let you know when, when I'm getting ready for kind of like a pre-release and when the book is out. So if, if you have interest, if you liked what I said today, uh, really would appreciate if you gave me a follow. And you know if you're interested in the book, go ahead and enter your information. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, you can definitely count on me. I'm going to be uh, I think I am actually signed up. Awesome. If not, I will definitely be doing that. But, but again, it, but thank you so much, Shane. It was great having you on the show. And um, I, I look forward to, awesome. to, uh, to seeing your book come to life. Are you not entertained? Well, yes, yes, I am. 
Oh, okay. Well, thank you for stopping by then. Come back every Tuesday and Thursday for more Stoic discussions. The Stoic Sage is on Instagram. We appreciate the support. Remember that it's one day at a time, one step at a time. Be confident in yourself to create the best version of yourself. Until next time, this is the Stoic Sage.